On GDC Podcast episode 26, we have Greg Lobanov, writer and director on the fantastic Independent Games Festival finalist Chicory, A Colorful Tale. He joins me, Chris Graft, publisher at GameDeveloper.com, and editor-in-chief Alyssa McAloon to talk about making Chicory, puzzle design, and bringing creativity out of players. This episode was recorded live during GDC 2021, earlier this year. Hmm, back in a sec. So our next guest, he developed 2018's acclaimed indie game, Wandersong. Uh, he is the director, designer, programmer, and writer for the recently released Chicory, A Colorful Tale. It's absolutely brilliant. We're just playing it last night, and it's just such a, a like a really great game. Uh, Chicory is also finalist for the 2021 Independent Games Festival Seamus McNally Grand Prize. That's a big deal. Please help me in welcoming Greg Lobanov. Hey, Greg. Hello. Hi, Chris. <laughs> Yeah, so um, thanks a lot for joining us today. Really appreciate you taking the time to come here. Uh, I'd like to just talk to you, just start out, like what's what's your background in, in game development? Like I know that you started out with like making small games and, and game maker and that sort of thing. Can you sort of, yeah, how, how yeah. you got started? Why, why do you make games? I, I was pretty obsessed with making games since I was like a little kid. I used to make like uh, card games and board games with like just markers and scissors and glue and stuff. So I had like Yu-Gi-Oh knockoffs and Pokemon knockoffs that I made like copy board games and stuff. Uh, so I just always thought it was really cool. And then as soon as I like figured out they were software to make games on computers, I like downloaded, I like Googled like Game Maker and got Game Maker and started using Game Maker and I still use Game Maker now. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's always kind of been like present in my life in some form. And then at some point it kind of bubbled and grew into a career, I guess. <laughs> you guys just kind of, uh, kind of just kept on going and then you just started selling games? Yeah, yeah, I, I like to, I, I try to like, not take for granted how lucky that is and also try to stay in touch with like the roots of that because i think it's really valuable like like for me like that that making games kind of comes from that place of just like i don't know having fun and, and making stuff and, and finding ways to enjoy doing that um so even now I, I you know i try to keep that in mind i guess like when i'm when i'm working that it's it's it is something that i love and i, I should do it because i love it um <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah that's a great great way to approach it um so Chicory, can you tell us a little bit about that? Like, it's, like for people who don't know, it's uh, it, it, it's kind of like a top-down Zelda uh, game-ish. I, I want to say it's like, but, but it's, it's reminiscent of that like screen-to-screen uh, type progression totally. and levels and stuff. But uh, can you talk about Chicory and uh, and the making of it? Sure. Yeah. Um, so the way that we introduce Chicory is that it's yeah it's a Zelda game in a coloring book world. Um, the it's a it's a black and white world with a magical brush that has the power to color things in, and this brush is wielded by this like super famous artist uh, named Chicory. She's like insanely talented, super genius. Everyone loves her, celebrity kind of character. But at the beginning of the game, uh, Chicory disappears, and all the color in the world disappears with her. And so you play as her number one fan slash janitor, 
who in her absence decides to take up her brush and try to fill in and also try to figure out like what happened to Chicory and where all the color went and stuff like that. So that's kind of the, the premise of the game. Um, the actual, like the starting point for it um, kind of came more from like, there, I just, I guess I had a question of just like, if you could make a game where the player's main interaction with everything was drawing, just drawing on everything all the time. Like that's the main thing we always ask you to do. Cause there's a lot of games that have drawing in them, but I haven't played many games where that's the main mechanic. Or if I did, then like, they usually will be like a, like a, a like art Academy kind of thing, right. Where like it's drawing, but it's just drawing for the sake of drawing. And I was really curious and like kind of finding that right mix of like, like art and, but also adventure and like story and stuff. So I tried a lot of different ideas that were um, worse and then eventually figured out um, what ended up being Chicory. And yeah, the, the, the top down like Zelda perspective was kind of the big, um, like the big discovery basically I had. Like so I tried lots of other stuff that didn't work as well. But when I found that, I realized it worked so well because the entire screen is now a canvas and like uh, the player has way more freedom to do stuff. And it just mixed with the other kinds of gameplay really well. Um, so yeah, yeah. So for, I mean, I didn't even know if that game would be possible or if it would be fun or anything. I was just kind of trying stuff. And then I found that kind of chemistry and and ran with it <laughs> yeah that's great uh, what kind of what kind of approaches did you take uh when developing the game where you're just like this isn't the right you know the right way to do it did you try doing different perspectives camera yeah yeah like i because well my my previous game is wander song which is a side scroller and so i sort of had naturally assumed that this game would be a side scroller as well probably because i was sort of still in that head that wander song headspace but also because like side scrollers have this kind of like freewheeling exploration feeling that i thought would fit really well with drawing um but yeah it didn't work for a lot of reasons um <laughs> they actually have another drawing games and on side scrolling perspectives too, like um, uh, crayon physics, which I was looking at pretty closely, and like mm -hmm. I think to life or, or something. Like yeah. One of those games is like a side scroller, um, but it, it's like actually really hard to make a good game out of it because, um, like for example, the things I was trying was like, oh, what if you could draw to make platforms or like physics objects you could interact with or something, which is you know seemingly fun. And other games have tried doing that too. But then what happens is like, then like to make a level that's really compelling. Uh, it's really hard because if the player can just draw a platform anywhere, then like, how do you make it hard for them to get anywhere? It's like, okay, well, I guess you have zones where you can draw and can't draw, or you have like, limited amounts of ink. So you have to like manage, you know, how many platforms you can draw. And then it's like, it's not even a drawing game anymore. It's a platform location slash ink resource management, like physics <laughs> puzzle game. Right. And what I, I wanted was like ink resource management might be a <laughs> cell than just like, yeah, I mean, there, there are games that are like that, but like, yeah, what I wanted was, you know, all the time you just draw for fun and like, also you can solve puzzles with it. Like that's what I was looking for. And like side scrolling yeah. just didn't seem to have that, but that was like a lot of things in that vein. I was trying like, Oh, side scrolling, uh, some kind of physics uh, puzzle game. Like, and all of them kind of had that, that problem until yeah, I found the Zelda thing, which worked great. <laughs> Making that jump from like your uh, with Wander Song that side scroller to the top down kind of like Zelda like was there any like design lessons you kind of had to unlearn and relearn throughout that process or just like habits you started catching yourself in that didn't quite work as well with this new format? Absolutely, yeah. The biggest thing was um, the the game structure. Like, so Wander Song is a really linear game and it's really story focused. So the game happens in like really clear chapters at beginning, middles, and ends. There's like characters you meet, and then you go to a new place and you never go back. It's just like a story. It's almost more, well, almost more like a film or something. Mm -hmm. It's kind of the structure. Whereas um, 
like this game, it was like once I knew, okay, so it's kind of a Zelda perspective, I guess probably a Zelda style world. It took me a, a while to kind of get back into the habit of um, like designing spaces that were open ended, you know, so you could go somewhere and come back to an old place, like characters in a town that you've like beaten are still there and you can still go talk to them and there's still things to do. And like, yeah, even just like, yeah, how, how things present to the player, like dead ends versus places you can go. And yeah, all this stuff that's like in Zelda games and not in like just a linear game I kind of had to like relearn or learn for the first time how to how to do properly because yeah there's a I had like I remember like distinctly I had a first pass on the like chapter one of Chicory and it like played really bad <laughs> and then I actually took a weekend and played um through Link's Awakening on my Game Boy just so and I, I actually had like notes and I was taking I like drew I was like hand drawing the map um not like exactly the map of the game but kind of like the map of where I could go at each point in the game, like, oh, I don't have a sword. What are all the screens I can get to? And what does it look like at each dead end? And like, I had a map of that. And then after I get the sword, what does the map look like? And I, I had a note like that. And I basically was like, okay. And I looked at, looked at what theirs looked like and looked at what my game looked like. And the problems were like obvious. <laughs> Just like how much more open-ended they were and how many things they let you do that you couldn't do yet and, and that kind of thing. And yeah, it made me maybe go back and like rethink basically everything I had been doing. Um, but that was, yeah, that was a big one. Is that typically part of your process, like using like the analog, you know, you say you can't come from like a card, like you know, making card games and things like that. Mm -hmm. Do you use a lot of like analog type, um, you know, like, uh, you know, parts of the process? Uh, there's, I do a lot of note taking and I do a lot of um, sketching. Uh, like I, I really like to draw, uh, I guess not a huge surprise, but so I, I, when, I'm, when I'm coming up with um, game mechanics and stuff, I'll often do kind of like a storyboard drawing where I draw the character kind of like in different stages interacting with the thing. And that sometimes like I'm, I'm really a visual thinker. Uh, so yeah. that, but I definitely, I don't do a lot of like, um, like paper prototyping game mechanics. Like, like I don't actually make card games or anything like that to test ideas usually. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, cause yeah, the way usually I visualize it is just thinking about the character and thinking about like how, yeah, how things are going to look more than how they're going to play when I'm, when I'm doing that kind of stuff. So, I love the approach to puzzles that you that you took here because um, they weren't like super stressful, but they were satisfying when you got you know when you like solve them you know. So mm -hmm. you know what what's what was your philosophy there when you're creating these different uh, like puzzle challenges? Uh, yeah, puzzles went through a lot of like iteration <laughs> to get to the right place. Um, I think on this game specifically, what I was always looking for was um, game mechanics that, so obviously it's like drawing is the main mechanics, the main thing you do all the time, right? So I was looking for things that interacted with drawing in really open-ended ways because I wanted players to kind of like, there's, there's this weird um, line between like, so <laughs> how do I like this? There's a lot of like, okay, so like when you're in a town, we're talking to a character and they ask you to draw on their house. Like that's like a fun, like you can do anything, you can draw anything. Yeah. Um, once you kind of leave the towns and go into dungeons, you're like solving puzzles. And that there's a, there's a really big difference basically in the objectives there because when the player is given an open-ended task, like, oh, design me a t-shirt, you know, they can draw anything and that's kind of the point. When you get to a dungeon, there's a solution. You have to find the solution to get to the end. And so like already your mode of thinking is different. And I was trying to kind of mask that difference by having mechanics that were really playful and toy-like so that you know you draw and it does this fun thing and you draw this way and does this other fun thing. And then the puzzle was like, ooh, how do I draw to make it do this thing that gets me to the end, you know? So you still kind of feel like you're in that playful space. So I was trying to keep players there. So that was that was like a, a huge part of the um, 
that came that was more from like where I even came up with mechanics in the first place. And then for the actual puzzles, you I mean yeah, usually when you have something that's really playful and, and totally like, like a fun puzzle mechanic like that, then the puzzles kind of like design themselves because it's just like, well, you can do this fun thing. So here's a puzzle where I show you you can do that fun thing. And oh, you can also do this fun thing. So here's a puzzle where you have to do that fun thing and et cetera, right? Yeah. Um a lot of attention was definitely put to trying to keep things like as as few steps as possible. Um, so that you not, you know, you're in that point, you're like, oh, okay, now I know what to do. But even knowing what I have to do, it's like I have to push this box to here and jump to there and do this and then do yeah. So none of that. Yeah. <laughs> Very small number of steps and like trying to keep the ideas interesting. And then as soon as something ran out of ideas or was even a little bit boring, just stop. Just like no more puzzles from that thing. It's gone now. <laughs> of on the other side of that and pulling from a chat question from David here um, mm. as a game developer did you go through like a writer's block process like writer's block when you were working on this game and I guess how did you get unstuck from that process because chicory itself talks about a lot of the kind of like emotional side of being a creator how did you love like uh, whether your creator isms <laughs> as you went through the project uh yeah I mean I encountered like all kinds of i mean yeah i mean i think it's really normal working on games like this like like it's and it's a really huge adventure with a lot of stuff in it so there are lots of points where like i didn't have a good game mechanic idea and i had this huge area i had to fill out or like the story got into like a really weird frustrating part um i mean one nice thing about like my role in this team because i was i had so many different jobs to do is that often if i'm stuck on something i'll just do something else <laughs> <laughs> until like other ideas come up. So like if I'm stuck on design, then I'll work on writing. If I'm stuck on writing, then I'll do some art. And if I'm stuck on art, then I'll like do some programming and just like whatever, right? Like I always had something to do that I could, that was like easy or like, you know, someone else on the team gave me some assets still just implement those for a day. And that's like super brainless and easy. Um, so as long as I was moving forward on something, you know, I always felt I would, I could feel good about stuff um <laughs> that's special because I, I have lots of jobs and so there's there's always something there um sometimes yeah you're just like absolutely stuck and everyone is like also stuck because you're you know it's like i have to write this scene and i don't know what to write for it and everyone's waiting for you to write the scene because they have to animate it and stuff um those are some of the hardest parts uh <laughs> yeah. but yeah i mean i guess like at the absolute you know worst hardest point it's like i guess just put put something bad in for the sake of putting something in you know like that's 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 the best you can do sometimes and that's what i did sometimes um and but i was often surprised at how even the bad thing i did would usually have some glimmer of what it actually was going to be you know because often it's like the right idea is is there it like gets sitting there and it's like you know half of it is already dependent on other stuff it's like i know that it has to end like this i know it has to begin like this i know this character has this line you know it's like you know things already so it's like half of it is, is already decided and it like yeah, it's like just figuring out those undecided parts is what's actually tricky. Um, so sometimes you have to putting something down, you start to already see mm -hmm. what, yeah, you see, have to see the right answer. Um, but yeah, it is hard, it is hard. <laughs> uh, you talked a little bit there about like having, like on a small team, you're wearing a lot of a lot of hats, everyone's favorite expression for every, every discipline out there. Um, I guess, can you talk a little bit about like what's game development uh, with a small team like for you and your team? What tricks or tips have you learned from this process with a smaller team working on this game? Um, I love working with smaller teams. Uh, it's, I've, that's, I've, I mean, I've always worked on smaller teams. It's like, for me, like, this is actually the biggest team I've ever worked on because we had, um, like five, five or six, like core team members. And for mm -hmm. me, that was almost double from the last game. So, uh, like 
in a sense, it's like, like for me, it's like I learned lessons about working with more people on this one, but um, from talking to my friends who work on, on larger studios or like with larger teams, I feel like um, one, you know, like we, yeah, everyone wears a lot of hats. And I guess like one thing I've learned to do is to trust people I'm working with and like find people to work with who I can trust, I think is a big part of it. Um, but I really love when, um, you know, someone who like, like people have space to basically like give like lots of ideas and then touch on all the parts of the game. Like, um, like Lena who did her music, for example, like she had lots of fun ideas about story. And sometimes it's not even ideas like this thing should happen, but sometimes it's just like insight into a character or whatever. Right. Like everyone kind of feels like they are part of the entire process. Like they are like communicating with everyone else. And like, so every, every detail of the game, every piece of art, every character, every animation, every scene is like a thing that we all kind of talk about and, and, and see together and build together. And mm -hmm. yeah, I just think that's fun. Cause like a lot of ideas come from them that uh, like I would never do actually a yeah, great examples come from um, Alexis who did uh, all of the character art and animation in the game. She is a really like detail oriented kind of person in general. Like her animations are really intricate and, and really good. Mm -hmm. um, whereas I tend to be a lot more kind of like slapdash, like put stuff together and, and move on. Um, but she had tons of ideas. Like for example, the fact that the character could just sit on every chair in the game. That was her idea. It's something I would never do ever in any mm -hmm. of my games. It's not the way I think about stuff. But for her, it was like, I really want to animate the character sitting down. I really want to animate her like falling to sleep if you, if you sit down for too long. Uh, like you have to put, you have to make her be able to sit in all the chairs and stuff. And I was like, oh, but then you did it. And it's like, it's really fun. It's like something that almost everyone who plays the game notices and, and, and does and like laughs about. And it like adds so much. It's one of those, it's things that's like, yeah, it's like unexpected that, that little detail when, when players have that little extra, you know, thing they can push into and, and interact with. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, ideas like that came all the time from team members that I would never think of. And I, I love that stuff. Like everyone feels, yeah, is a part of it and it's cool. Um, there's another question from Alex in chat here, specifically about working with Lena Rain um, mm. for your soundtrack. Can you talk a bit, I guess, specifically coming from a game where your focus was it's music is the vehicle and now you're working on a art driven game, but music is still an important part of game development. Um, can you talk about kind of the process of working with a composer to make the music for your game? Yeah. Um, I mean, so every composer I've worked with is really different. Um, it, it, like they all have like different ways they approach music and their process and stuff. So every one I work with is always a new learning process of like what. Um, so like for example, when I worked with Gord on on Wonder Song, he's really he loves working with instruments. Mm -hmm. And like when we were coming up with songs, like for him, I would be like, oh, I would love if it felt like this one movie or this one game, and he'd be like. I don't know what you're saying. I don't know what you mean. But if I said like, oh, it should have like accordion and like xylophone and like a beat that's kind of like this, he'd be like, okay, got it. And like, he'd spin up like the perfect thing. Mm -hmm. Like for Lena, it's totally, she's totally focused on emotion and character and story. So if I tell her like, oh, it should use like clarinet or something, she'd be like, uh, why? But if I say, oh, well, like this character is like really depressed in the scene and like, she doesn't want you to talk to her. And so like, but your character is like really really is like a big fan of her and like wants to be your friend or something and that's like the scene and then then she gets it and she like can figure out everything else perfectly right so it, it's like that that process is different um lena is is really cool to work with yeah because because we're focused on character and story and that is really close to like the way that i approach the game like when i'm when i'm thinking about just the the structure and pacing of the entire experience like my attention is always on character and story and how that stuff is developing so the fact that Lena is really focused on that too meant that we could have a really 
good conversation. Like, like our, basically, our, yeah, we were really, really synergized really well because like the things that I cared most about and was always thinking about made building the game were also things that communicated to her, like what, the, you know, like I could just tell her that and she knew how to build the music from that. And she could even like contribute to that kind of conversation with through her music or have ideas like, oh, it really feels like there should be a part like this. And, you know, it's like, oh, you're totally right. And I'm going to add that in, you know, have a line for that kind of, you know, like, like stuff like that would happen all the time. So yeah, like working with Lana was, was really, really cool. Um, I hope I get to again sometime. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I, I'm curious um, what's appealing to you about creating games that facilitate players' creativity? Is that something that is just satisfying, um, you know, for you, you know, as a, uh, as somebody who makes games? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's satisfying in a lot of ways. I mean, I would say that, um, like, so the way that I fell into it with Wondersong and Chicory both was because I, I just wanted to, because, yeah, because making stuff is fun and I love making stuff and I have just been curious, like, can you make a game about making stuff? Can you make a game where the player makes stuff? Because I just think it's a fun thing and I haven't played a game that does it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then once I, you know, like I, I found all these synergies and, and, and stuff of these games that, you know, made you really fall in love with the concept uh, and wonder why there aren't more games like it. Cause it just seems like such a natural fit. So on one hand, it's just like, it, it is seriously just really fun. Um, but obviously I, I do also have a really personal, like, like I am a creative person. Like that's a huge defining factor for for, for me <laughs> yeah. so it's really fun for me to get to make games where i explore that like uh just theme with with the characters and story and, and find ways to talk to players about that like chicory especially because it's a game that's all about creativity and, and artists and and just being in that space and meeting people who are like that and uh, in some ways it's really autobiographical because it's totally about like you know my friends and all of our relationships and how we relate to each other and what conversations we have all the time because this is just like our life right um yeah. so it's it's like kind of selfish i mean it's just like it's it's really it's a fun thing for me to work on because it, it feels really like it's 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 the thing that i'm most interested in right it's like totally my life yeah um yeah and and the and the approach that you take to um creation and chicory it's so free form i mean like everything is is blank and then i just find myself you know painting my house a whole bunch of you know the the floor a bunch of different colors or oh my gosh early in the game that one character who is never happy with the color <laughs> that you're painting their house and I still am unsure whether or not there's a correct balance you know of, of colors that, that I could I could hit with that character. oh for pumpernickel yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was hilarious do you remember who came up with that because your pumpernickel is just always now, can you do a little bit more of this color, a little less of this color? All right, now a little more of this color, a little less of that one. Um, is that was was that situation something that you came up with? That was something that came from me. Yeah, um, with a lot of the characters, like like a lot of the characters in the game, um, there is a huge like. So how do I put this? The way like like what I would do with this game is like we had um, we worked through cello, and I had a giant checklist of just like anytime I had a cool idea for an interaction, I would just write it down. So for example, it'd be like someone should ask you to draw a T-shirt for them. Like that should just happen in this game somewhere. It seems to be a thing. Or you know, someone should tell you where there are gifts that you haven't found yet. And then you know, there should be somebody who has a really specific thing they want their house to be. And it's really like, and it's just like you have to figure out how to make their house exactly what they want. And the hints are really obscure or something. That was the thing that I had them down. And then separately, Alexis, who did the character designs, like she would just sketch just tons of animal people. Like she would just show me like pages of just like, 
here's a cool beaver, here's an otter, here's a horse. Like, I don't know, like whatever, just come up with as many views as she could. Um, and then we would kind of do like a connect the dots thing where it'd be like, oh, like I totally get a vibe that this guy would be a huge dick and like be really tough to draw something for. I mean, use that idea I had for a drawing thing and like click those together. And often like, you know, you get even more flavor because the character has a certain appearance or another kind of vibe to them and you give them like this thing they want you to do. And then like more kind of like things come out of that. So that's where a lot of this stuff came from was sort of like, you know, trying to pull these pieces together to make people that are kind of like, have a really fun, engaging gameplay aspect to them. I think it's important because it gives the player like a thing to talk about. Like, you know, it's a thing you remember about that character, right? Is like, oh, yeah. it wasn't It wasn't just like he had a funny line. It was like this fun thing he made me do that like told me more about his character because he was like that, right? Um, yeah. So like, it's like those things like work so well together when you can find, find those like synergies. And that's where, that's where a lot of stuff kind of builds out from. Um, but just to answer your question, Pumpernickel does have a right answer. There is a right way to color his house. Uh, it's just it's just super, super hard. And yeah, I, I love that people like get frustrated. And actually the best part is that if you get it right, he doesn't give you anything. That was that, that's actually one of the things because he's in like a tutorial of the game. So every character kind of like like teaches you something about the game. And the thing he teaches you is like sometimes you'll do something and you don't get any reward for it. That's like the thing that he's there to show you. So you do you pull this time and you give it oh to him. He's gosh. like, yo, you must have done it just to see the smile on my face. Thank you. It's so kind of you. Like <laughs> uh, that just gets into like, you know, the you know, the themes that um you play with uh you know in this game being being a creator and what it's like to be an artist and what what it's like you know, feeling like you're not not good enough or unmotivated. Uh, that's kind of meta, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, I, I really enjoy that the game kind of can speak speak to that theme, basically, because mm -hmm. I, I love that stuff. And like, I, I was always hoping that people would get that takeaway from the game because, you know, I think that stuff is really in, important to me. But it's like, I think there's actually, there's a lot of work that happens in the player's head because we only give you so much room, or I guess like we give you the room to play with it. And I'm really surprised at how much people are really getting that that depth. Because we never like say a lot of that stuff. We just give you the space to like notice that for yourself, I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I really love when I, you know, when I talk to people who like, you know, they're, they're not artists, they don't consider themselves artists and they get an experience in the game that really shows them something they didn't know about the process, right? They learn something about themselves and about how they approach creativity, about how, you know, they suddenly they see themselves as, as an artist for the first time where they never really did before. And I think that's really cool. Like that's, yeah, that's, that's like more than I could hope for for this game, but I think that's really cool when, when people get that from it. Uh, some of those kind of, I want to ask one question for me and then I'm going to pull a couple questions from chat uh, to keep everybody mm. engaged. Um, <laughs> the one question for me is when dealing with those kind of like the more personable parts of the creative process, uh, some of those can get kind of heavy thematically and especially difficult in a game where like a uh, chicory that's just colors and happiness and it's just really this lighthearted game. How do you approach those kind of more serious topics without, I guess, in the context of this tone that you've established already? Yeah, I mean, it's, hard uh <laughs> there's definitely a lot of a lot of like talking and thinking through stuff to try to find like just the right balance because you know there's there's definitely like ideas that are too dark you know stuff we can't get into and and like so you're always trying to find just, just the right place to put it i think in general the most important thing for us is trying to remain the uh, like just genuine and honest to the, the characters and letting letting the important stuff like develop naturally and organically from their interactions so like we didn't set out with the goal of like, I want to tell a deep story or make people cry or something like that. Like, it's really like, it's a game about, you know, these characters in the situation and 
you know, just when you're telling a story about this, like, you know, number one fan janitor who gets this legendary brush and is meeting your hero, like all these things just came up so naturally, like it, it felt impossible not to talk about some of it, right? Like it just felt impossible. This character wouldn't, wouldn't like talk about this. So that's, that's where that stuff always came from was from a place of like, you know, just trying to like explore those emotions genuinely. And I think when, you know, if, you know, if you do it right, cause you can do that wrong, but if you're doing that right, then I think people are always going to follow along with you because, you know, it feels like it's what the, you know, to me, it's what it felt like the game wanted to say, like, it's what the game wanted to talk about. It's where it was always going naturally. So um, when um, you, I just tried to be true to that, basically. When, when you talk about doing that right, I guess, can you, just for the, the game development audience here, can you kind of, like, explain what specific, like, things you might have, like, considered when writing certain dialogue or, like, how to make sure you're framing something the correct way or, like, approaching it or giving it the proper care that a sensitive topic needs? Yeah, I mean, when, when you're getting, like, really down to the details, like, we, um, like, a lot of our team, you know, like, they have experiences with depression and anxiety and stuff, and so everyone was reading over the script, and there were definitely, like, a lot of, like, teeny, weeny little, like, script changes that came from just people reading over, um, like, the, like, like, if I was going to generalize, like, probably the biggest reoccurring problem when it comes to talking like we're talking about like mental health or like really sensitive stuff that people are going to relate to really personally, um, being really vague it's almost always the biggest problem that at least like I would have with writing this stuff because mm -hmm. you're talking about something that is so, that is so like abstract. It's like people's feelings and just like their darkness and why they're feeling sad today kind of stuff. And so it's like, you're, you tend to say things that are really broad. Um, but then when you're really broad, you also give people space to kind of read things in the wrong way where, you know, you might say like, uh, like I'm trying to think of like a really, cause I had, I actually had pulled up an example for something else recently. Um, like, uh, I, 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 yeah, it's like, because it's so specific wording, I, I can't remember exactly the words. I'm not going to give you a good example, mm -hmm. but yeah, it's like, it's even like saying like, like, yeah, basically like, it, it's really easy to really misinterpret something that somebody's saying is like, I'm a bad person, like, because I have this issue or like, because I'm depressed or something. And you, you know, like finding ways to say like, there are depressed parts of myself or like, I am struggling with this or that's not who I want to be instead of like, just saying like, I am like, I value, you know, I, my, my value as a person is less because I am mm -hmm. this way or something. Right. Stuff like that. I, I, yeah. Sorry that this is, it's like, a no, it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, it, but it, it sounds is. like the value of having team members who are familiar with some of the heavier topics you're writing about and listening to those perspectives is kind of like where you're getting at with that answer. I think. Yeah. That, that helped a lot. Just having eyes on it for sure. And if we need, like, and I would never um, write a story like this if we didn't have people close to it who, had personal experience with it and like in the absolute worst case that at least you know i'd want to bring in somebody from outside to look at it mm -hmm. you know before we put it onto the world um because yeah especially when it's you're dealing with topics that are this this personal like there's going to be people who connect with it really personally and it's really easy you know the closer someone feels to the game the easier it is for that person to feel betrayed if the game doesn't really treat that situation with respect you know or or puts that character in a wrong light. Um, mm -hmm. So it's like, you really have to be, you always want to be careful about like putting that stuff the right way. Um, and, you know, even for us, like, we, we put so much care into this and I know that there are people out there who like, no matter what, like people are always going to take it, not, not feel right about it because it, it's so unique from person to person. Yeah. So that's, yeah. So we, you know, we, we did our best, <laughs> I guess is what I'm saying. You all you can do is your best. Mm -hmm. Um, on, I guess, a bit of a lighter topic, let's talk about porting. Um, when oh, yeah. You, uh, <laughs> specifically, a question here uh, wants to know uh, how, about the porting process to consoles. Excuse me. Um, anything Game Maker specific that caused issues, or I guess, what was that process like for your team? 
it was uh, a pretty big struggle, to be honest, in a lot of ways. I mean, so we were the very, we are the very first game game on PlayStation 5. So we were coming to a brand new console and that had a lot of unique challenges uh, associated with it. Because, um, you know, you run into bugs and you're like, is this a problem with us? Is this our code? Is this the engine thing? Is this mm-hmm. a, a difference on the, on the you know, operating system? Whatever, right? So every, any like small issue is like, takes at least, you know, three times longer to solve because you have to go through so many, like, you don't, you don't know where the problem is. Uh, that was a huge part of it. Um, but Game Maker in general, I mean, we were lucky enough that we got to work closely with them because you were their PlayStation 5 kind of debut game. So like when we had problems, like, you know, they, they were kind of, they were pretty on top of it. They were good to work with on that. And I mean, I, I love the game engine in general, like, it's tough to work with when it comes to console stuff, but that's true for any, like, like Unity also has its own oh, yeah. challenges when it comes to console stuff and working on console ports in general is just tough. Um, so there were a lot of challenges. I don't know. I don't think a lot of them were very unique to Game Maker outside of that, like, new console thing. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I would, like, if I'm, if I was going to, if I'm really going to, like, go off on it, like, the fact that, <laughs> the fact that PlayStation and, and Sony in general has to do asynchronous saving was, a nightmare for this game because we save so many things like every single screen you paint on has saving and like it saves like a recording of every painting you do and like the art classes you do and like just a million different flags in the game for every story element and yeah because we we do so much of this game is about your creativity you make something it's saved forever so mm-hmm. that just means like we tap the save system a lot and that like <laughs> caused so many problems because everything we did like on pc it'd be so easy it's like oh let's have a guy who lets you take photos and you have a photo album you save easy and oh this character puts your photo up on the screen and shows you the photo you took so easy and then you go on playstation it's like every single one of those is like a file save right action that the game has to like asynchronously do and anyway the game's out now and we fixed all of it but like yeah that was it was definitely a problem uh, <laughs> well, I guess uh, keeping in that vein, um, that question was from Joseph, by the way. Thank you, Joseph, for sending that one along. When did you guys decide you were going to go multi-platform with this? Did it start out as a PC game and you're like halfway through, you're like, hey, what about that shiny new console? Or where in the process were you? We, so where was it? I mean, we, like, I, I, I knew from the beginning that like, I was always intending that this game was going to come out on, on consoles, but I hadn't, I had not personal experience porting to um, PlayStation specifically. Like I had worked on Modern Dog Switch port so I was doing a lot of stuff with Switch certification in mind, to be honest, early on, just because that that's like, I just finished Wondersong. I had all this stuff in my head. I was like, okay, make sure that you only write to the file system X number of times and whatever else it was for that, right? Um, and, uh, but yeah, so then, I mean, it, it, like, you know, like Finji came out as the publisher. We started talking to lots of platforms about, you know, what the possibilities were. And um, so like, I guess we always had in mind, yeah, console stuff, but um it probably was, when did we announce? Oh, we didn't announce, we announced PlayStation 3 before we came out. I forgot. So yeah, it must've been about probably about a year before the game came out. We were, we were thinking about PlayStation stuff, um, but things were slow because, because it was a new console thing. We were kind of waiting for um, the, like, yeah, the, the, the engine to kind of like finish their port. And that happened a bit slower than we were expecting. Um, I mean, of course. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so like, and we were looking at the, I, so we worked at the porting studio, 22nd Century Toys, and they helped, they like just having them, they helped with QA as well, like testing and stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, so there was, we had a lot of like kind of like manpower on the game that I didn't have when I was working on Wandersong and it made a huge difference. Um, like I'll say for the record, like we launched with way, way more players than Wandersong did. And we had bugs, but I would say we had way, way fewer bugs than Wandersong did. And like that, 
was totally uh, a fact because we had we got to work with so many people in this game with reporting and with QA and stuff. So mm -hmm. um, I highly recommend working with a QA tester if you if you have the option to. It made a huge difference to me. I guess that's obvious in the in the games industry, but when you're working on a small team, it's hard to know like which things are worth it. QA was worth it. QA was super worth it. Would do again. Yeah. So we we had a question in chat about the sound design um, from Andres and. Just the other day, I was fiddling around with the options and I noticed uh, toggle for wet sounds, which I thought was interesting because I know people who have, you know, issues with, uh, with you know, just wet sounds. Hmm. Um, but sound design in general, um, what was your approach there? Um, Andres asked, I'm curious about the sound design part of the game. How did you work on the sound effects? So I worked with him brilliant sound designer named M. Halberstadt, and she had worked on Wandersong as our lead sound designer. She also worked on Untitled Goose Game and Night in the Woods and Eichenfell and like lots of indie games. She's like incredibly talented. Wandersong was her first game though, so I knew her before she was cool. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she worked on Chicory. I think uh, the biggest part of her like process or philosophy came from doing live recording of actual paint stuff. So she spent an afternoon with just like buckets of paint and just splashing around, splashing it around, slapping it, like splattering it, whatever, like everything you can imagine doing with paint she, she did and, and recorded. And then um, as like she used that as basically this huge library of sounds that she would implement into almost every other thing in the game. Um, so it always has that like really nice texture feeling. Uh, that, was an, that was an important part for her. Um, I think the other like huge uh, like pillar for this game, I think, is in the mixing, which also was was M's thing. Um, yeah, yeah. So, like for for me, for my part, because I'm coming in from the perspective of, like the director, game designer person. Um, one of the big places that me and M communicated with was with. Um, so like 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 okay, here, here's an example. I think of what shows like how smart she is when it comes to stuff is when it came to painting stuff. So I had all this uh, tech from Wandersong, like musical stuff. And so I was thinking like, oh, wouldn't it be so cool if like, you know, like when you're painting stuff, it makes little musical tone sounds that are in key with the music or something, you know? So it's like, you're painting these flowers and makes little musical sounds in key with the music, like sounds super cool. Totally like a, you know, back of the box, checkbox feature people would be really into. Um, and I was like, we could totally do that. It wouldn't be that hard and we should totally do that. And she had the insight to say I was completely wrong about it. <laughs> um, and the reason why I was wrong about it was because um, she realized that like if you were painting and all the time like stuff was making like cute little musical sounds and stuff, it would be exhausting. Mm. And then you wouldn't be drawing to draw. You would, it's like you draw and it makes cute little sounds like a little toy and you're like, okay, cool. But then you're not like you draw to make those sounds happen. And then you don't draw for fun. You draw because it feels like a little like sound interaction and stuff. And you definitely wouldn't want to be doing it for hours or whatever, mm -hmm. right? She knew like, oh, wait, if we make the sounds like really relaxing, really quiet and give the player lots of space to think, then like they're just going to be able to draw and spend time with it. Like, an, you know, like, so we should make the sounds like as not intrusive as possible. Um, and a lot of like our like a lot of our like like disagreements were like when we came, you know, back and forth on stuff came down to that kind of thing where I was like, we should do some really fun. And she'd be like, actually, we should do some really boring because people <laughs> will actually like it better. Right. Um, and she was right. I mean, she was absolutely right, because I think like this is a game that people spend hours and hours drawing in and it's completely because the sound design gives you the space to do that. Um, and that's also like in the mixing, like how she balanced the, the sound of like the music with the background ambience, with the sound effects. Um, and we do a lot of stuff with like, if you spend time on a screen, the music gets quieter and the ambience comes up a little bit. Oh, so yeah. like you feel a bit more in the space, like 
we thought about a lot of that stuff. Like, and totally always had our mind on how to create spaces that were really inviting and fun to spend time in. Um, yeah. Yeah. The sound does such a great job of that. And that was yeah. totally from her. So I kudos. cut in with a really, really quick follow up, more of a comment than a question kind of thing. But it's very cool to every time uh, Chris or I bring up like a specific discipline. How did you do this? How did you do this? Uh, just like the collaborative energy that oozes from your answers is just incredible where it's every time. Oh, I worked with this person. They had this idea and they told me this idea was bad. Like they, the communication and <laughs> not being afraid to like say when like an idea is good or bad. It, you shouldn't surround yourself with people who say yes all the time. And it sounds like you've got a good team who's like has a very healthy communication structure. And all smarter than me, for sure. <laughs> Surround yourself with people smarter than you. Game dev tip. Yeah. Somebody asked my favorite question in every interview, so I'm going to lob that one at you. Um, Playtesting. Um, I ask this to like literally everyone I ever interview. Uh, when you, This is a question from Brendan in chat. When approaching playtesting, how do you balance getting enough feedback with being drowned in too many opinions? Do you find strategies to extract the more valuable feedback that players might not articulate explicitly? Um. So, okay, we, so we, we play test mostly with friends and usually um, like in, like usually like I'll work on the game for like a month or two and then I'll get like three or four people to play it. And then I'll, I'll like, maybe not even like maybe two or three and then go back and, and, and work on it a bit. Um, the, like a lot of our friends are, are game developers. And so they often have like insights um, that are like really specific, um, sometimes, sometimes too specific and not that helpful. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think this is super classic advice, but I'll, I'll say it again, um, that like often you don't want to know, um, like people, people will tell you like, oh, you should change this number or you should make this thing bigger. And like, cause they, they want to give you a specific answer, thing they want to change. But what you often actually need to find out are what the problems they're having are so that you can, you know, find out what the correct solution is. That's a little more like holistic with the rest of the game design. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that comes up very often. Um, for this game, honestly, playtesting was not um, a huge, not not as huge of a, a challenge as in my other games. Um, I'm not totally sure why, to be honest. Um, there were there were a couple areas specifically, mm -hmm. puzzle areas that were nightmares that require tons of iteration and playtesting on stuff. Um, but I was really surprised in general how like a lot of the like open world stuff, like the pacing for side quests and locations of things, like I expected that to go through a lot of changes and that actually didn't. So that was surprising. <laughs> That's really close to how I, I first roughed it out. Um, but when it comes to specific puzzle stuff, yeah, a lot of it. Um, and I think the biggest thing that I always have to learn or remind myself is just like, yeah, when when I'm wrong about something, because um, <laughs> it's really like it it's it's like it sounds so simple, but it's really hard when you have an idea that you think is really cool mm -hmm. and you put it in the game and you're so certain it's like the best part of the game. It has to stay in there, and you throw it at playtesters time and time again, and they hate it. And it like yeah, it's like I have to work on faster accepting when I'm just wrong and I have to like change something or not put in that idea like doing stuff because you think it's cool kind of selfishly and not you know like and trying to do things more because it's fun for a player not for you I mm -hmm. think uh, is something that I have to <laughs> internalize um I think I'm, I got better at it with this game than I did with Wandersong um but yeah that's that's like a big thing that for playtesting that like is, is always tough for me the creative process because like as someone who writes a lot i have like oh i love this sentence it's like oh it doesn't fit it's like but i but i love it but it's good it's, but it's a good sentence <laughs> <laughs> it's word look at it so, yeah. yeah um 
we got about five minutes left here. I'm just going to rapid fire question, the future questions left in chat unless somebody okay. stops me. So I'll try uh, to rapid answer. All right. Uh, cool. Nicole wants to know uh, what advice do you have for artists exploring new domains, such as like the haptics on the DualSense for PS5? For example, um, a new middleware haptics software was, or uh, middleware for those haptics was just announced. So, yes, yeah. What working with new technology, what advice do you have for people? I had a lot of fun with it. I mean, to be honest, so I still don't have a PlayStation 5, just which shows you how hard it is to get a PlayStation 5 right now. And I made a PlayStation 5 game. Anyway, so I didn't I didn't get to play a lot of games to see what they did. I was just totally playing with the sliders and the controller and seeing what felt fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, just playing with it and seeing what felt fun worked pretty well for me, I think. I mean, I, I think our implementation came out really nicely. And um, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, maybe it was better because my mind was open to just try stuff that I hadn't seen other games do. I mean, yeah, just play with the tools. They give you the sliders, they give you the buttons, they give you the haptics, and they let you set them from zero to one. So see what zero one feels like and what one feels like and and put them in, right? <laughs> I guess uh, jumping back to that porting conversation we had before where mm-hmm. you guys decided you were heading like to PlayStation 5 like a year before the game came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, did the technology that you found out you were working with inform any changes that are in the PC version of the game or any changes that were made to the game itself? Um, I don't think I don't think we backported any changes from PlayStation, PlayStation 5 on the PC. A lot of our work was on trying to recreate the experience that we felt was really strong as well as we could on PlayStation. Um, and like, I mean, the other things we added were things we couldn't take back, like the, the game help system or the haptic on the controller. Like we obviously couldn't bring that to PlayStation 5. Mm-hmm. In general, like because of the different um, structure, like we did a lot of stability fixes in the game and those obviously came back on the play on, on the PC. That's not stuff the player would know about, but it definitely makes the game better on the insides uh, and stronger. So I appreciated that. But there's nothing I can point to that's like, oh, that's in the game because of PlayStation, like when you're playing it on, on Steam or whatever. Um, let's see. Uh, how did you meet your team? Were they old friends who made a yeah, game like together or did you reach out to them? <laughs> um, everyone who worked in this game were people who I knew uh, basically as a friend before working on it. Um, like a lot, like especially working in Song, for example, like I met Lena and, you know, like I knew her before she worked in Celeste and I always thought she was really cool. And I like, we would, you know, it was just a lot of things, you know, you meet somebody, you're like, oh, we should make a game together sometime. Uh, and then, you know, like two years go by, we were working on other stuff. And then I had, you know, a new game project. And I was like, hey, I'm cashing that in. Like, we should totally make that game we said we would make. Uh, <laughs> That's so cool. So, and then it actually happens. It actually happens. Yeah. Like yeah. the the artists um, were both my roommates uh, who like worked on Chicory. <laughs> and neither had worked in games before, but both were really great artists who I had been like wanting to work with. So it worked out. Um, and yeah, Em, I had worked with on Wandersong and I had met her through Gord. I guess Em was like the most like professional connection I had because I had met her originally through uh, like another sound designer for this, like for getting a job. But like we became best friends working on, on Wandersong. It doesn't really feel like that at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, I got, yeah. no, go ahead if you have something. No, I, I was I was just going to say, like, looking back on, you know, Chicory is out now, it's being really well received, looking back over the course of its development, as we go in the closing seconds of this podcast, like, can you, can you talk about like what you personally took away from it, you know, creatively or process wise, um, what to you is kind of your, you know, one minute postmortem of of chicory. <laughs> I was really surprised at how many people connected with the message about creativity and stuff because, like I said, like that stuff is really personal and, and like specific to me and my lifestyle and like the relationships that I have. And so, 
Um, I put that in, like, I, you know, I knew that like some people would get into it, but I didn't expect, I guess, just how broad of an audience of people really seemed to connect with some aspect of the story um, in a deep way. I was surprised by that, but it gave me, I don't know. Yeah, I, I thought that was great because, yeah, I mean, that's the stuff that I care about the most, that I love the most about the game. So it was cool to see people get that from it. That's my one minute postmortem. <laughs> great. Yeah, so, great series. One minute postmortems. Yeah. Noting that down. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's start doing that. Well, I mean, th that's about all the time that we have. Um, just want to thank you, Greg, for stopping by. Like, I know that that you're busy and there's still a lot of stuff, you know, that, that you'll be working on. Um, so I really appreciate it. Um, thanks to everybody in chat for um, sending us really good questions and for hanging out with us for a little bit. Be sure to check out the podcast on any podcast feeds, GDC podcast on like Spotify, whatever Apple calls their platform now. And we have great interviews up there. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks. Thank you. Bye.